0: Your neighbor's self-care is going to be different than your self-care is going to be different than your <laughs> sister-in-law's self-care like it's just mm-hmm. very individualized hi i'm alex Flexcher. and i'm Rivke silver and this is normal from women the podcast where we embrace the complexities nuances and joys of from womanhood
1: Normal for woman is supported by Wellness by Miriam. A 17-day diet plan, this boutique nutrition and weight loss program enables you to meet your goals without hunger. Your delicious and gourmet meals and snacks, prepared with the highest standards, both quality and cautious, will be delivered right to your door. Currently available in Cleveland, Lakewood, Brooklyn, Toronto, and the five towns. Follow wellness.delivered on Instagram or go to wellnessdeliveredbymiriam.com to find out more. That's wellness delivered by M I R I A M dot
0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. I was looking at the calendar and I realized that our release date for this episode is exactly one month from the first day of Pesach. I was thinking then that this is the perfect time to talk about self care. Like we talked about last episode, Pesach is traditionally a holiday that requires a lot of exertion. And we want to make sure that we've been filling ourselves back up after we've been running so hard and quite possibly on empty.
1: Funny you say that, Rifki, because that first day the kids are back in school after Pesach, I'm always like, I'm going through the drive-thru and picking up a Starbucks. Or no. I find like I'll just sort of be wandering into Home Goods or Target to buy something little for the house you know, maybe some like throw pillows or just something, an organizational thing. I, I really feel this strong intrinsic need to do something to treat myself.
0: Well, yeah, it totally makes sense, Alex. I feel the same way. And I think the key with self-care is that it's practiced in a way that's both preventative and restorative, like meaning try to keep the tank full even during the exertion, whether it's mental or physical or both, and not just using self-care to recover after totally exhausting yourself.
1: Well, that that sounds very familiar. <laughs> and um, I think self-care has just got to be an art because that is really tricky to do. Yes. So as you know, that's why we're here today. We're going to be asking some professionals how to do it and why to do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a lot out there in the world of From Media about the topic and some things very recently. Um, we want to bring you some fresh perspectives and helpful information, normal From Women style.
1: So today we're going to be talking about what self-care is and what it isn't. Right. Let's define our terms. And we also want to take the angle of bringing in the crucially important topic of mental health. I know both Rifki and I are personal believers in mental health awareness and the importance of that. And keeping our mental health healthy is really a form of self-care.
0: Absolutely. So we're having Dr. Rachel Goodman, who is a psychotherapist out of Montreal, to share with us her wisdom. Dr. Goodman is particularly passionate about mental health in the religious community, and she's going to be sharing with us a huge initiative she's chairing to advocate for more awareness.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm really excited to tell everyone about that. We are also going to be talking to Fariba Diamond, who is an esthetician, and Macher here in Cleveland. Uh, With Fariba, it's like anyone who knows Fariba loves Fariba. Am I right? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And um, we know that she's going to not only share with us some helpful and practical tips, but also a little
0: bit of her philosophy on the importance of taking care of ourselves. Uh, By the end of today's episode, we hope that you'll feel more inspired along with us to make you a priority in your busy life, mind, body, and soul. Yep. So let's get this conversation started.
1: We reached out to four normal from women and asked them the following question. What does self-care mean to you and how do you do it? And this is what they said.
2: So it took me many years to understand really what self-care is. And I think for one, self-care means different things to different people. For some people, it might be getting their nails done and feeling pretty in that way, or some people just need a walk outside and taking the time to do that, or taking the time to see a therapist and talk things out. Um, So I think it's important to find what self-care means to you, and so the big thing is not to feel guilty about it. It's One step is to do the self-care. Step two is not feel guilty about the self-care and to understand that you're worth it.
3: To me, self-care is mandatory, not optional. It is the fuel that you need when you lead a really full life to accomplish all the things that you want to accomplish. So for me, I break it down into four categories, diet, exercise, time, and sleep. Um, Diet, I spoil myself by um, buying pre-made lunches, healthy lunches. Um, Exercise, I put aside three hours a week. Those are my times and those are sacred. The third one is time. I try desperately to have an hour to myself every night have time to do whatever I want to do, not not a job or what someone else needs me to do. Um, don't always accomplish that one. And the last one is the hardest, sleep. I try to get at least seven hours of sleep every night. And I rarely hit that mark, but I am actively working on trying to perform better.
4: Um I am a NICU nurse practitioner and I tell moms all the time like how important it is that you need to take care of yourself and you need to make sure that you're healthy so you can take care of your baby. And like probably the first three years of both of my kids' lives, I not that I was ever unhealthy, but I didn't make the time for myself. So it's definitely something I struggled with. But I've noticed probably in the last year and a half, two years since I've been like a single parent that even though I have less time, it has struck me as even more important because if I want to make sure I can be like the best parent I can be, I can have the best household that I want to have, it has to come from me. And if I don't have energy and I don't feel good, there's just no way it's going to happen. So it's something I need to remind myself to do. And I can catch myself when I'm feeling like super grumpy. I'm like, did I eat today? How much did I sleep? Have I gone on a run? Have I listened to a cheer? of have to like go through my checklist and like have I done the things that I like to do to take care of myself
5: so for me self-care really happens when I can break myself out of the cycle of the hustle and bustle of life and really notice that I am a human being living in this world and I have needs. I look at those needs in three realms, the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual. So the physical, like, am I eating enough? Um, Am I sleeping enough? Am I moving my body in ways that bring me joy and increase my mental health? And emotionally, am I connecting with people or am I just isolating? Am I finding supports? Am I grounding myself? Am I engaging in mindfulness? Am I aware of myself of what my body needs? Do, am I seeing a therapist if that's something I need in the moment? Do I have supports? These are all things that also can fall by the wayside when we're not in a place of self-care. And the spiritual realm having a connection with God is also something that really helps ground me when I'm in a place where I can be more mindful of what it is that I need in my life.
0: Well, wow, that was really interesting. I loved hearing the variety in the responses, but also seeing the areas where there was some overlap. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. You know, it's so interesting to see how clearly self-care means different things to different people. And I'm just thinking as I'm listening to, the, to these women, like we don't know their stories. We don't know if mm-hmm. they work out of the house. Maybe they're full-time employees. Maybe they are, you know, um, taking care of a large family. There, there's so many factors And I think another point here is um, the self care may come more naturally to some people. You know, I think for those people who do struggle with like if they whether they deserve to take care of themselves or even can I put aside the time to take care of myself. You know, and and just one more thought I had listening is you know for some people listening, they could be thinking like oh, that's nice. You do all five of those lovely things a day. Uh, But I'm lucky if I can even take a
0: shower by (laughs) then. Exactly. And it can, it can really feel like a catch 22. Sometimes I think where like the very women who need the self-care the most can also find it the most inaccessible. It's just another thing on a impossibly long to-do list. And then it becomes just another thing to stress out about. (laughs) It's (laughs) not just another thing on the to-do list. It actually comes before the to-do list. Right, and, and it
1: helps you do the to do list exactly. Um, and another thought I, I, I have is, I really, I, I wonder if there's a price tag on self care. Meaning, we know that, of course, like self care can be as simple as a coffee and a treat, you know, um, four o'clock. I mean, people really encourage thinking of small identifying small areas that one can, you know, Mm -hmm. focus on just taking care of yourself, whether it's mentally or physically, it doesn't have to be expensive. Right. You know, I think about like, you know, the one woman's like scheduled biweekly manicure is another woman's luxury. That's completely out of, out of reach. They might even not just see it as a luxury. They may consider something like that as an indulgence. And we're we're not here to say one is right or one is wrong. It's very personal. And I think this is exactly where this topic can get so controversial, you know, is there a point where, where we draw the line and say like, sorry, honey, you know, maybe you're indulging and that's just in the name of self-care. Um, but it isn't healthy or isn't sustainable. I I just, I, I really, these are questions that I have in my mind about the topic.
0: Right. And it, it really does vary based on your circumstances, your life circumstances, your working, your what, whatever it is. It's very, very personal. And even within a person, a friend of mine um, pointed out a fascinating insight about self-care and how it requires a certain level of self-awareness. Like depending on what you need at the moment, that will determine the kind of self-care that you give to yourself. Like if you're feeling angry, a hot bath isn't going to release your energy the same way that going running would or exercising in some way. Or if you need to be creative and express yourself, then a manicure may not fill that need. So this is a process and it might take some time to figure out what works for you and what's healthy. And that's okay.
1: That, that's, that's really fascinating is, is being self-aware enough to know what it is that you need. It's like when they say, like, if you're hungry, maybe you should first drink a, big drink cup of a glass of water, right? <laughs> exactly. Like don't feed yourself the wrong way. Rifki, wait a minute. We need to have this conversation. What What do you think about self-care and, and what do you do
0: about self-care in your life? And, and has it evolved? Oh, that's such a good question, Alex. And you're right. Like we've been talking about it and talking about it, but we haven't been talking about it to each other. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, self-care is something that's always been I guess like on my mind in my consciousness but it's something that I really have always struggled to actually do for myself like I definitely was like I was the like the poster child for like doing for everyone else but not myself but I was always going 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 I was never stopping and of course if I was never stopping then I was never I was never even like aware of how much I was not taking care of myself. It's it's funny because like, I've always been like, you know, you know, I took clarinet lessons and I was in this orchestra and I was, you know, participating in a lot of creative endeavors. And so I had the illusion that I was taking care of myself. And I had the illusion Hmm. that I was taking care of my needs because I was doing creative things and I was writing and I was performing and I was speaking. And those are all things for myself. But at the same time, my schedule was packed so tightly that you know, if one thing got off track, then it was a disaster. And then, of course, what do you think? Ha- like, it was I was not mm. really as functional as I would have liked to be. And I would be like, "Well, why am I having such a hard time staying calm?" Well, I don't know, Rivki. <laughs> why am I You know, it's, it seems so obvious now, but really, what happened um, was when the pandemic happened and everything stopped. I was really kind of forced to confront the the reality that I didn't really know how to take care of myself and I really wasn't taking care of myself. The long and short of it is like now I am just much more mindful to not overschedule myself, to not put too many things in my day and in my week. So I give myself a lot more buffer time now, a lot more free time, so to speak. It's not really free, but I'm not just running from thing to thing to thing to thing. I have a little bit of time in between to just kind of stop. I'm like, I'm not like perfect at it by any stretch of the imagination. You know, like after I had my baby, I think I only ate like tradition soup for like weeks on end because I didn't make (laughs) myself actual food. But at the same time, at least now it's in my consciousness. And like, so it's like a two-step process. You know, step one was just being aware that I was go, go, going. And to just like stop, stop, get off the hamster wheel, get off the treadmill, get off whatever you want to call it. And now step two, now that I am not just constantly going anymore, now I can actually say things like, well, how much sleep do I really need? And how can I really eat healthy to take care of myself? And like, what can I do to fill those needs of sleep and food and exercise that all contribute to my well-being and all contribute to me being a functional person? I didn't, I didn't even have the headspace to even think about doing those things. Do you know what I mean? So I'm in wow. a much better place now. So that's my story. So Alex, that was wonderful. What, what about you? Like, what is your relationship with self-care and like, what has been your experience with self-care and doing it or not doing it or how to do it more?
1: Yeah. I definitely think it's evolved. You know, I talked actually about in our last episode about when, um, for me, like when I was single in terms of my spiritual self-care, right. right. Um, that was, it was just a lot easier, you know? And I think I will add, physical self-care, I, I found easier as life goes on, you know, for me, you know, more, whether, you know, more kids, more responsibilities. Um, I am not really a high energy person when I'm on, I'm on and I'm high energy, but I struggle with the maintenance of energy Mm -hmm. and the consistency of energy. And I think when I'm all in and I invest and I'm, you know, exert, Myself, um, I I do deplete myself. Uh Also, may I say that sometimes the exertion does feed me. (laughs) It does. Like I'll feel great Uh afterwards. Like great after being involved in something or whatever it is. But but that's a general struggle where I'll have those ups and downs. To be to be honest. So my self care evolution has been how I notice that Mm. and accept it without judgment. We do talk about that a lot on this podcast. Beautiful. Where.
0: (laughs) Uh, can you relate? With <laughs> uh, yeah. Except in your own yeah. actual physical limitations. Yes. 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 And let, I'll, I'll
1: expand on this a little bit. I used to really get frustrated by this part of my personality and by this part of my physical makeup mm-hmm. and it would upset me and it would, I would judge it. <laughs> so <laughs> like, let's say it was a nine o'clock at night situation where I just felt so depleted. And I was like, I cannot keep going anymore. And I need to go to sleep. I need to crash. I just can't. And why can't it's a Thursday night, but I would like to stay up cooking, or I would like to be working on an article. I would like to do this and this. And I would be, I almost like upset at myself, frustrated at myself. I have, and this is very recent. I'm talking about, yes, maybe the last couple of years, maybe it was just by necessity (laughs) where I was like, sorry, we're running on empty. But it is the necessity, but for me, the greatest growth in this area has been the acceptance where I am not judging it anymore and I am not getting upset at myself anymore. I am just saying, I'm listening to my body more. I am being more, where I always was self-aware about this and always acknowledged it, but then took the next step of judging it. Now I am not judging it. And it is simple as I am depleted, I'm tired, I am going to sleep. Turning out the light, done. And I will not let myself
0: judge or evaluate that. I will just do it because that's what I need. Have you been like almost more productive or better, better, like better work because of that, because you're not expending that energy on the judgment?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Or forcing (laughs) myself to stay up late cooking. And then how, like, what's going to happen Friday morning? Am I going to be able to get anything done Friday morning? Now I I have the energy to do it or I have the energy to sit down fresh and, and do whatever work I need to do at the computer. Um, Definitely. Um, it's not a moral judgment
0: anymore. Anyways, those are our thoughts, right? But we, really, <laughs> we really wanted to get a professional perspective. So we sat down and we had this conversation with Dr. Rachel Goodman to talk about the role of mental health when it comes to self-care. Dr. Goodman is a licensed clinical psychologist with more than 20 years of experience in providing psychotherapy and psychological assessment to a variety of populations. She maintains a private practice in Montreal where she works primarily with adults and older adults specializing in the areas of anxiety and depressive disorders, neuropsychological evaluation, memory wellness, stress, and trauma. So we hope that you gained from our conversation as much as we did.
1: Dr. Goodman, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And it's really truly an honor to hear your perspective as a clinician on the importance of mental health and how it applies to self-care. We want to start with your definition as a mental health professional, your definition for the term mental health. Because I think, you know, that, that term is bandied, out, bandied around a lot, and for those of us who, you know, are, are non-professionals, we may be using it wrong, and I, I like to hear, it's so important, well, what does it actually mean?
2: Sure. So first I'll say thank you so much for having me on today. I'm excited. I love that you guys are doing this podcast, and I'm excited to be with you, and also to be able to talk about a topic that I am passionate about. And uh, for me, although I do work with a lot of people who struggle with, I'll say, mental illness, and we'll kind of talk about the difference between those two, um, I'm very passionate about mental health and prevention and wellness. So thank you for giving me that chance. Mental health includes our emotional, psychological, cognitive, and social well-being. And the goal is to be of sound mind. It affects how we think, feel, and act. And mental health is on a continuum, and everyone has it. I like to think of it more as mental wellness because people seem to get confused as you were saying with the term. It requires balance and we don't always stay in the middle. We move along the continuum depending what's going on in your lives and your environment. You're not mentally unwell if you feel sad or anxious or angry. These are normal responses to life situations and to stressors. But alternatively, If your functioning is being affected in any area of your life, whether it's personal, school, work, social, and you're not able to function in the way that you normally would, then you're starting to look at where mental health becomes a mental illness issue. Um, And mental health is important at every stage of life, from childhood and adolescence through adulthood and older adulthood
1: fascinating. So that's a very important distinction, the difference between mental health and mental illness.
0: So how do you understand mental wellness, mental health um, as a component of self-care? How would you specifically relate this to from women's health? And is there anything that you would say specifically is like not self-care that sometimes people, maybe people get confused with self-care?
1: And before you answer Dr. Goodman, you know, I I like Rifki how you called it from from women's health, because of course there's this field of women's health, but you know, let, let's discuss the nuance here on our podcast for women about from women's health. Right. Is, I mean, is there a specific niche, niche to that? Right. We have very specific stressors,
2: you know, that don't mm-hmm. exist
0: in the outside world. Exactly.
2: So I believe self-care is primary to our mental health. Um, my opinion, but I really believe it's actually a mitzvah for us to care not only for our bodies, but for our minds and souls. And for a person to function well, they need a solid foundation, which includes proper sleep, good nutrition, physical activity, and social connection. But we also need boundaries. And this is where I see Mm -hmm. we get into a problem when it comes to from women. As Mm -hmm. Jewish women, we so often put others before ourselves. And I think it has become the unspoken expectation in our community to stretch yourself too thin, to make another meal for a meal train, to volunteer for another organization, to help out a friend with their kids, et cetera. And I don't want to, God forbid, suggest that we should not be doing things for other people. But just like the flight attendant instructs you on the plane that if the plane is going down, we have to first put our own mask on before putting it on for our children or whoever is with us. We need to understand that we cannot help other people if we are not taking care of ourselves first. And I'll take it even further that I really believe that Jewish law requires us to engage in self-care as a priority, not just in order to be able to help other people, but because we ourselves are important in our own right. We've been created in B'Tselem Elohim, and we are required to take care of ourselves and our health in that way.
1: Rifki, you know, we just had this conversation the other day um, about self-care. You know, we always hear like, oh, you can't pour from an empty cup. And we feel that's so true. You can't give if you don't give to yourself. But both of us believe very strongly, like, wait a minute. It's about giving to yourself because you are worth it, because you are worthy. Dr. Goodman, what progress do you think has been made in the general firm world regarding mental health awareness? And what more do you think needs to be done?
2: So I'm happy to say that overall, I think there is more awareness than when I started to work in this field over 20 years ago, and certainly longer than that. And several Jewish and religious organizations have been developed that publicly address this issue, but there is so much more work to do in the general world regarding mental health and in the Jewish and from world. Um, Enormous research has been done on the prevalence of social stigma Which comes along with mental illness and can impose additional pain and adversity upon sufferers and their families. And the research sadly shows that despite the fact that we teach um, in our community that we're supposed to care for other people and we're not, you know, we're supposed to look out for those who are uh, less advantaged than us, that the same stigma is so prevalent in the Jewish community. Um, In my work, I see this playing out a lot related to Shiduchim and people who either hide their mental health issues because they're afraid it will impact their own or their family members' chances at a shidach. people refusing to go on medication in the first place for this reason, or even hiding that they take medication. Um, As I said before, I work with a lot of from women, both those before they get married and after, often dealing with postpartum depression, etc., And there's a lot of anxiety and fear associated with marriage and intimacy. And I am not a couples therapist and do not want to sell myself as an expert in that area. But there is a lot of work to be done in preparing young women and men for marriage and understanding one another's mental health needs.
0: Please tell us about this incredible initiative that you're working on to bring more awareness for mental wellness into the firm community.
2: So I am the co-chair of the annual Community Health Shabbat, which is now in its third year. And will take place this year from May 6th to 9th. Uh, We are a grassroots organization that has started in Montreal where I live. We saw a need for the Jewish community to come together and make a public statement supporting mental health awareness and destigmatization. So we got together with shuls across our community three years ago to dedicate the same Shabbat to mental health, but our real dream was that we would extend this Shabbat to communities across North America and As funny as it is to say, Thank God this pandemic happened because this forced us into the virtual world and not just forced us into it, but opened everybody in different places to be able to join in the same event at the same time. So last year, due to COVID, we went virtual, but it was still small. And this year, we've reached out to communities across Canada and the United States. We have over 50 schools and 15 high schools across Canada and the U.S. that are all dedicating the same Shabbat to mental health, and COVID has given us all an insider's view to mental health struggles as we all found ourselves facing anxiety, sadness, depression, loneliness, isolation, etc. And some of the essential nutrients to self-care that we spoke about earlier, like social interaction and sensory stimulation, having your grandparents, for example, have been lost to us for a while, which has been very painful. So the theme of this year's mental health Shabbat is fittingly resilience. And our scholar in residence for the weekend is Dr. Rona Novick, whom you may be familiar with. She's a world renowned psychologist and the head of Azrieli school. Uh, We have a Thursday night mental health symposium with a panel of speakers, and she's the keynote speaker, a Friday teen mental health workshop, and a Sunday morning workshop with two speakers, Dr. Novick and Mark Fine. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's amazing. He's a mental health advocate, has experienced his own mental health struggles, and speaks and teaches about it. And all the details can be found at mentalhealth.tbdj.org. Oh, I was wondering how you're doing a virtual Shabbat. <laughs> so, so to be clear, because we have gotten that question, the the weekend is the Thursday night, the Friday, and the Sunday. And then we encourage every shul that is participating in their own way to do something on Shabbat. Now, obviously, every city, depending on their restrictions from covid are able to do different things. Those that are in person can have the rabbi do the Dresha or have somebody in their community who's a mental health professional speak or whatever the case may be. Uh, We are not fully back at shul yet. We can have 10 people go to shul. We're really quite locked down. So um, we have our rabbi who's sending out an email letter and a video. Uh, Different people are doing it in different ways, but whatever it is, each shul has made a, a promise to dedicate that Shabbat in their own way to mental health. Very nice.
1: The way you introduced this, you were saying the importance of the shuls taking a stand, I believe, um, to support mental health. And I think that is the first step, meaning the rabbi doesn't have to stand up and give a drasha or whatever it is. That you know that your rabbi supports mental health awareness is so huge that it that they're, they're
0: talking about it in some way. Right. Bringing it, bringing it into the consciousness as like, this is something that we can talk about. This is something
2: that we can think mm-hmm. about. This is something that we can acknowledge. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, you may be familiar, there are different Shabbatot during the year that are dedicated to other topics, whether it's infertility, special needs, et cetera, all of which are extremely important and deserve their own Shabbat. But we just felt like nothing was being done globally where everybody was getting together and saying on the same weekend, we support you. We acknowledge this. We want to decrease the stigma. We want to increase the awareness. If you look to your right and you look to your left, probably you're going to have somebody who's either suffering from a mental health issue or is a caregiver to somebody with a mental health issue or knows somebody who has struggled with a mental health issue. So uh, I think it's really important and it's a way for us to give a message to the community to say, we support you all together. Is it doing everything? No. One Shabbat's not going to change the world. We know that. But Mm -hmm. I I think the start.
1: We talked about what is not self-care. And I had this question, like, is there a price tag on self-care? Meaning one woman's bi-weekly manicure and pedicure, maybe another woman's luxury and total indulgence. Can we say for this person, there's no price tag because this is what this person needs
2: and this is healthy for them and healthy for their
1: bank account and it doesn't make a difference? I
2: think that generally, look, I encourage people to spend money on themselves, but not to the detriment of their financial security, let's put it that way. Um, And I'm not a financial advisor, obviously. But when someone starts to spend in a way that puts them into trouble, that causes other mental health issues, Um, just to keep that in mind. But in general, yes, I, I think that if somebody feels good having a manicure, they should definitely go and do it, there's no question. Um, obviously you have to live within your means across the board, we all, we all should in our own way, but I think yes, we should be putting ourselves as a priority. I will say though, not every self-care um, activity costs money. There's, I mean, the ones that I recommend to people don't cost money at all. I am not saying people shouldn't do those that cost money. I mean, physical exercise does not have to cost money. That's priority number one when it comes to self-care. And we know how important it is for prevention and wellness, not just for physical health, but mental health, right? You don't have to go to a fancy gym. You can exercise at home. You can go for a walk down the block with your friend, whatever the case may be. Um, Doing mindfulness exercises do not have to cost money there are so many free resources to do that you can get free yoga on YouTube and that kind of stuff you can do breathing exercises galore um, that I strongly encourage people to do diaphragmatic breathing that's free there's so many things that are free take a hot shower write in a journal um, take a hot bath listen to music you know there's a ton of things that I could you know if we were had more time those things don't cost money
1: well, these are very, very helpful for our listeners. And um, there's just so many options out there. Let's just choose one, you know, focus on one because it can be overwhelming. Absolutely. And and yeah, and, and it's really about first having that mindset, mindset that I count and I'm going to make the time to do one small thing. I think we can all fit in in
0: our schedule
1: to make ourselves
0: a priority. Dr. Goodman, it was such a pleasure to speak with you. I really appreciated everything that you said and it resonated. And I think that it's going to resonate with our listeners and just Kola Kavod for taking mental health and putting it into the public consciousness. And should continue to have hatslacha, and we should continue to increase in awareness and remove the stigma. So thank you again for being here today.
2: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. (laughs)
0: We also wanted to hear from someone who is
1: a professional at taking care of women physically. So we spoke to Fariba Diamond, who's an esthetician and
0: she's macher, an all-around very special person. Enjoy. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. So like the very first question that we wanted to ask you is, sure. what does the term self-care mean to you? Like, what do you think of as self-care? And then what do you think of as like, what's not self-care?
6: Okay, so everybody takes self-care in different, you know, level. Some people exercising is a self-care. Some people going to beauty salon and taking of their self. you know. It's not only like coming to beauty salon to do take care of your body and your look. It's also emotional. Like I never, when I started doing this job, I never thought... My job would be a kind of a job that people, they really need to talk. (laughs) That's why I try to give them privacy. Give them enough time for people that they need to just talk. Let the stress out. So everyone has a different thing that they feel like, you know. Some people, they like to be on their phone all the time. That's uh, calming and soothing for them. And some people is drawing. Or some people is shopping. Some people is cleaning the house. Like, you know, really, some people, they like organizing sometimes this can be self-care also people they think only taking of themselves as doing their nails or pedicure or facial uh, massages it can be music everyone is different everyone has to find what makes them feel good what makes them become calmer person for the whole family so it can be anything I feel I myself feel like it has to be a divided to different things. Like I myself feel like a, a little bit of exercise, a little bit of, I work with my sanity, whatever my sanity, like, let me do. So I have a long day, right? I try to divide it up and make days that I need sanity. So how does it work? Like if I have a day off and I have my mom to call my kids to call my sibling to call, if I see that day, I had a stressful week so that day instead of being on the phone I try to not answer the phone like sometimes I don't go on the phone like my kids sometimes they are home and they are studying they say mommy I'm so surprised you don't call your sister like today I said the day that I'm busy I call her and I talk to her the day that I have time for myself And I'm taking off from like customers and I'm not seeing anyone. I prefer not to be on the phone and give my mind a drop of a calming moment. If you think you don't like hair on your face, do your hair on your face. I feel like my job is not only for like for ladies themselves. I think it's also for their husband and for their kids. It's nice to see ladies, they take care of themselves. It's it's just a good feeling. You know, you feel like, Pampered, you feel clean. It's it's for everyone in the family. It's not yeah. only for you. When you feel good about yourself, you know you're calmer in the house. Like for example, when you do your nail one day, you go home, don't you? All day looking at your nail and you feel good about yourself. Actually, I did my nail myself, so I mustn't say. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's so feels... Sometimes feel not scared. 100%. If it's not 100%. I <laughs> but no, seriously, everybody finds different way of self care. You can go out with your husband, can be a self care. You mm. can sit for 10 minutes in your car and not get in the house as soon as you're, you know, if your house is messy. That's a self care. Everyone finds a different way. So balance of everything in life, I feel like uh, it makes you not get depressed. It makes you not have an, an anxiety. So if you feel like your nail almost has to be done, call <laughs> but some people, it, it makes me very sad. Like some people, they feel like, you know, if they are on their phone for a long time, looking at Instagram, I don't think that's a self-care. I think that makes them actually completely opposite. Media is so bad that it can actually work opposite way mm-hmm. and make you anxious and you feel like you don't have enough. You feel like your kids they are not getting enough. You're far from your husband. Your husband is not the same as everybody else. Uh, you don't you, you can't afford what you know other people can afford, like shadow and makeup and clothing. It's so much out there that is like if I was younger, I probably would feel like, you know... I, I would love to,
1: to comment on that for you. But, you know, we did an episode, our second episode was on social media. And I think a lot of us will reach for our phone as a means of relaxation. And we 100%. think, oh, I'm just going to chill. And we may think, oh, it's self-care. You know, just going to relax. But what you're saying is like, wait a minute, what are you putting in? What is the content that you're looking at? And it's not self-care. It actually can be opposite. Opposite.
6: opposite. It can backfire at you. It can backfire. It really? Like sometimes I myself like late at night when um, like when I finish with the haircut and you know, it's like 1130 at night sometimes I like to go on YouTube and like watch how to do projects and things like that. Even that can cause you trouble. Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, you had mentioned the emotional component of the salon experience and you know, the joke, like the, the, the salon chair is the therapist chair. And I'm so happy you, you brought that up. Um, so yeah, ask me. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you all about that. That, well, yeah, so what, what we're, we're asking you, as someone, you know, as an esthetician, Anishita Tamakar, you work with a lot of women in the firm community. What do you see that our women are doing right in terms of self-care? And what do you see that they're struggling with?
6: So some people, they don't take care of themselves and some people, they take care of themselves very well. Like some people, they have drier skin and they put foundation on. And I'm not a makeup artist, but right. I know that they don't take care of their face right away. So if they're close to me and I know they don't get upset, I do tell them, like, I think you need a moisturizer, even though, like, when I'm threading their face, I tell them, like, you need a better moisturizer, try to switch. If they have something on their face that is not necessary to be there, I'm not embarrassed to tell them. I, I tell them I had it and I removed a small thing and it can make a big difference. Right. And sometimes people, they tell me, why you didn't tell me like five years ago that I have to do side of my face or wear my shade a different way? Because you were not ready for it. Mm-hmm. But now you're closer to me and you're ask, asking advice. I feel like you should take care of yourself more. And mm-hmm. it's not only for you. It's not only for you. It's for people around you. And the people respect you different. I, I mean, I think even a tiny eyeliner in your eyes makes a difference. Even a tiny perfume on you makes a difference. So why not? Why you don't do it for your kids and for your husband? doesn't have to be always for other people. Just be Mm -hmm. pleasant. What happens
1: when you're like so tired, you know, like the energy and the effort? A lot of women have a lot of kids, a lot of little kids. I'm, you know, my experience right now is I have almost two year olds and like anything that I put on gets dirty, it's like an apron. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what's the point of putting in a sleeping ice if I'm just gonna be at home? So, like how would you so help I for women you, who are struggling with at the energy level and the efforts to put themselves together?
6: Okay, I'm not always killing. Like Fridays, you come to me, I really don't sometimes I don't have time to grab a towel to dry my hands and I'm washing dishes or so I use my, my clothing, you know right? <laughs> right. But it, it doesn't have to be all the time that you don't get put together you can have days that is an easy day and some days that's a pleasant day that Mm -hmm. you doesn't have to be every day.
0: I like that. It's very practical. And I, and I I like the idea of like even putting on a little eyeliner or like a little like scent, like if, um, if I have a day where I know I'm going to be like in sweat clothes like the entire day, it's just like that type of day. Like I might put on like a pretty tichel and I might just like make sure that my eyebrows exactly. look sharp or it something like to, that. It doesn't
6: have to be shade talk. It doesn't have to be shade talk. So very
0: nice. You know, it's, it's nice to see your passion for your work come through and what you're telling us. So what like even like any job, you know, there's ups and downs and things that are easier and things that are harder. So what what keeps you
6: inspired in doing the work that you do? Uh, I first of all, I try to know my limits. I enjoy each person. So it doesn't come to the point that I am like choking. It really, I don't let it happen. So I take one day, half a day off and I try to take it easy that half a day. And I try to sleep as much as I can that day. But I feel like any kind of a job you have, you're going to have a hard time. I feel like if Hashem puts you on that job, Hashem wants it to happen. Like things doesn't always go right. I work on myself to make myself calm. Always, if I have a hard time, even if I'm doing a customer or something, is like she's in a bad mood. I tell myself, I try my best and I try to, sometimes I tell myself, you know, I talk to Hashem and I say, yeah, maybe this is my day that I have to suffer from that. It's better to suffer this way than suffer in a different way. So I brainwash myself for everything in life. Whatever comes, and I connect it to Hashem. I try to do my best to connect it to that. That's
1: very beautiful. I I can testify to that as a customer of yours. That it's true. You're you're very calm. So so to wrap up this whole topic, I'm going to ask you, what message would you like to give to firm women, particularly mothers who have a lot on their plate, about taking care of themselves? And just to add the caveat that we know that everyone's circumstances are different. Self-care also means different things to different women. But what is the one main thing that you would like women to know about self-care?
6: So I feel like, you know, when you take care of yourself once a month at least for anything, it can be a shaital, it can be pedicure, care, manicure, um, you feel better about yourself. It's the whole physical and emotional comes together. It's not only one thing that you're doing for yourself. It's not only for you. I think it's for your husband and for yourself there's a lot of things that you can do that it makes you look pleasant and happy and i feel like uh, not as a business i'm talking you should take care of yourself at least something for yourself hmm. once
1: like a, a month. month that that's your message right like at least once i a think
6: month. i think people they don't have to do big deal like they right. can It's not expensive to take care of a small thing for yourself to make yourself feel good. It can be eyebrow, it can be waxing, you know, body wax that makes you feel good. You know, jogging and walking and exercise. This is something that's a health and everyone should do it or eating habits. But something that is, you know, you feel good about yourself when you talk to people. So many people, they see you and you feel confidence about yourself. Mm -hmm.
0: I know that, you know, Freeba, after... After I leave your salon and after I leave your wonderful company, I always feel fantastic. And I just want to say that something that I love about coming to you is thank that you, you don't just thank make you. me like physically feel good, but you always give like chizuk or like divetorah Torah or something, something that Hashem is okay. really like in the salon with us. So thank you so much, Priva, for taking the time and for sharing thank you your providing. Today's takeaway is simple. What are you doing today to prioritize yourself? It's not so much about what you choose to do to prioritize yourself, but a mindset to adopt that says you are worth taking care of. Make it happen today. We're going to try to. Today's Normal Friend Woman is Chaya Pollock from Brooklyn, New York.
7: Can you fall asleep with the dishes in your sink? Currently, I'm single and I live under my parents' roof. So I can definitely fall asleep with the dishes in my sink. But the question is, can my mom...
0: What's your favorite mitzvah and why?
7: I would say my favorite mitzvah is teaching Torah. Um, I grew up religious and I had the typical trajectory um, of going to like from high school and seminary and I felt like in my mid-20s, I realized that you know i'm doing all this stuff but i don't know the reasons why i'm doing it so um i had the opportunity to go to israel in the middle of my life in the middle of my 20s even though it's not so common and i went to neveh and i learned all this stuff and when i learned it i was like this generation really needs it because a lot of people don't know it and a lot of the educators are not aware of um these kind of topics either or aware of the information or how to answer certain questions so currently i teach high school and i see like the girls are starving for information and knowledge and i just feel really lucky um that i have the tools to give all that over to them what do you do to recharge What do I do for relaxation and recharging? Um, I do many things. However, my favorite thing to do is practice mindfulness. I find that it is extremely helpful and it really relieves so much anxiety and so much stress, which many of us have in our lives. Um, What it is, is the practice of not focusing on the past, not focusing on the future, but being in the present, being in the here and now. And I find that it totally cuts stress, nips it in the bud, and um, helps us recalibrate and just gives us a lot of fuel um, for the rest of the day. I find that when I take breaks, um, when I'm under stress, to practice it. If you look it up online, then you'll see there are a lot of examples and skills and tools of how to practice it. Um, My favorite is this skill. I don't know if it's a skill. I'm not sure exactly what category you would put it in under mindfulness, but um, it is called The Body Scan for Relaxation by Michelle Duval. It's a 16 minute practice and you can find it on Spotify and it is just amazing. So highly recommend.
0: What part of your personality do you love?
7: What I treasure about my personality is the literal randomness about it. I just like, I'm interested in almost everything and I just love knowing stuff. Um, So Thank God that makes me just gifted to be able to have a conversation with literally anyone from a Hasidish lady in New Square to a monk in India. True story. Um, I've had conversations about the Meisner technique in acting, Gen Z TikTok, um, and that the Ramchal was a playwright, which I bet you didn't know that. Um, But I also talk about regular stuff like my adorable nieces, shopping, food, you know. What do you think the firm world needs more of? Oh, gosh. The firm world needs many things. What does the firm world not need is the question. Um, But really, what I think that the firm world needs more of is... Good um, from educators who care um, and are knowledgeable um, and are, you know, credible to be in their positions, Um, and just avas We just we all need to to love each other, you know.
1: Thanks so much for listening today. Okay, guys, please go and rate and review us. You know, we were going to say it (laughs) and come back for more in two weeks when our next episode comes
0: out. If you're an established listener, you should know how to reach us already. But for any new listeners out there, you can email us at normalfromwomen at gmail.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you haven't liked or followed our social media pages, give it a try. You'll see we have some extra content in store for you there. Oh, and if you're still listening, thank you. See you next episode.